I don't know how many times I've seen that, <laughs> but it always affects me. Um, I went and uh, visited Wycliffe, and uh, he lives in that slum. And uh, he took me to his house, or, well, where he lived. And I went down one of those narrow alleyways, and uh, he opened the door for me, and I went inside. And the um, lounge area was about as wide as this step and about three and a half meters long. And that's where their lounge was. And then there was a sheet with some tears in it. And I could see behind the sheet there was a double bed. And that's where his mum, his brother, his sister, and Wycliffe slept. I, I didn't ask where the toilets were or where he washed his clothes. Um, I suspect it was down one of those narrow alleyways where it took place. So um, uh, God's given me the privilege and given me a promotion that now I work with children in poverty. And by his grace, we want to see children delivered from that. Carol and I pay $48 a month, which is $12 a week, and it's changing Wycliffe's life. We write to him, we pray for him, and he's part of our family now. And uh, we believe that it's one child at a time. And so um, if you see my beautiful wife afterwards, and uh, John and Sandy who are with us today, um, that uh, we'd love to talk to you about um, compassion. And uh, we've got lots of children like this little one I'll say his last name Benson and uh, he's been waiting for nearly a year for a sponsor um, there's too many children in poverty too many it's not right and uh, God's heart is for children God's heart is for the poor and God's heart is for the foreigner it tells it in Deuteronomy 10 17 and 18 when God speaks to Israel he says, make sure you embrace the stranger, the foreigner, because at one time you too were foreigners. And so um, we do have our own problems in Australia. We've got challenges. But we as the church should never look at borders to say that, uh, well, that's another country. God doesn't see borders. God just sees people. And so um, just want to encourage you. Um, and uh, if you're sponsoring, and I know that in this house there are people that do sponsor children, and I say thank you so much on behalf of the children. But if you don't, it's a great opportunity. And Compassion are a squeaky clean organization with the finances because when you're do working in developing nations, there's always the challenge with finances, and we've got great people on the ground. The field officers there are just outstanding. So I uh, want to strongly encourage you. I know it might stretch some of you. Uh, we do have something called critical needs and that costs $3 a week, less than a cup of coffee, and you can help change some lives. So <clears throat> forgive me for that, but uh, I don't know. I thought as you got older, you just get tougher. <laughs> I mean, it's not the case, is it? Not that I'm old, I'm still 39 as I have been for the last 
Yeah, hey, come on, come on. Um, uh, this morning as you've come to church, um, you've come to worship God, and we've done that and we continue to do that. Uh, you've come to have fellowship with one another, because for some it's the only time you see one another is perhaps on the Sunday. Hopefully there's others in the church that you see on a regular basis, but it's, we come to worship God, to have fellowship together, uh, but we also come to have our belief system affected. Um, your belief system is something that you cannot see. It's internal. And everybody's got a belief system. Even for people who say, I don't believe anything, that's your belief system. That's your belief, is that I don't believe in anything. So we've all got a belief system. And the way that Jesus affected people's belief system was by speaking to them, by preaching and teaching the word of God. And so uh, that's why we gather on a Sunday morning. Always keep that openness to um, an expectation to have an effect take place by the words that are spoken. As you know, the words that I'm speaking to you now are invisible because they are spirit. And your eye gate and your ear gate are receiving these words and it's dropping down into your spirit. Uh, Jesus in John 6.64 said, The words that I speak, they are life and they are spirit. And so um, the word that I bring to you this morning, I want that to affect your belief system. Because your belief system will take you to your destiny. Come on, church. Um, what you believe will affect your decisions in life. And so in church, when we come, Bible studies that you have, they're not just for us to have a good under, um, a, a mem memorizing scripture, and that's a good thing, but it's understanding and receiving into our belief system so we are affected in our decision-making and in our journey in life. Is that all right? Um, I want to talk about one of the most important um, questions in life. And, and I, as I, one of the great privileges of being in compassion is that I go cross-denominational. Uh, two weeks ago, I was in a high church of England in Norwood. And uh, that's quite an experience. And it was a lovely experience. Um, uh, but uh, the, the week, uh, last week I was with a Church of Christ minister. The week before I was with a Baptist minister. So I'm going right across the denominations. And one of the things that I see that's, um, in this world that we live in, in this changing world, is one of the important things for Christians to get clarity on is who we are. Um, for those that are concerned about the events of this week, it's okay. I've read the back of the book. It's okay. Jesus wins, and we're on his side. Amen? Amen. And if you're not on his side just at the moment, go on the journey. And uh, I hope this morning, speaking about identity is, is, uh, is going to help you, I hope in your journey. 
Uh, identity and clarity of identity is really important for us to go out into the world to show people the love of God and to help us in our journeys to get understanding of who we are. All of us have got insecurities, and we fight. I know I do. I fight with my own insecurities. But I think one of the things that have really held me in my faith and in my journey is the understanding of my identity, of who I am. And uh, I just want to bring three points because that's what preachers do. They bring three points, unless they're really long-winded and they do four points. (laughs) But this is the question, who am I? Um, And I, I think you've heard me speak before about the three big questions of life. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? That's the three big questions. I I really want to zero in on identity. Uh, And the the reason I want to do that is for us to have a clarity of our true identity. Because your identity is not based upon what you do. Um, not, Not what you look like. That's not your identity. It's not what you do. It's not what you look like. And it's not what you earn. That's not your identity. Because some people um, um, look at themselves or what other people say about them and they think that that's their identity. What's really important for people in the faith is to get clarity of your identity. And the way that you do that is through the word. Um, it's what the Word tells me, not what my feelings tell me. Um, what's really interesting in understanding true identity is when Jesus was approached by the devil in Luke 4, and we've got the scripture, Luke 4, 3 and 4 there. Um, it says... This is the context of what's going on. Jesus has just started his ministry and the Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness. Not by car, but (laughs) drives him. There's an urge, an urging, a prompting, a moving. The Greek is to drive. And Jesus is driven into the wilderness and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights where he, he's, not, he's fasting. And the devil, after the fast, the devil comes to him. And the devil asks him a question. And the question is, if you are the Son of God. And what that is relaying is that the tempter is challenging Jesus in regard to his identity. If you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. But what it says then is Jesus answered him and he quotes scripture. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8 and says, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the devil wanted to challenge Jesus on his identity because if he can get his identity, then he's got him. 
If he can take from Jesus the identity he's got him. You see, what sin does and what it has done for mankind, it's stolen our identity. And the world is roaming around at this present time looking for who they are. Even in the pursuit of material things, having a wonderful family, having a great career or whatever it might be, even in all of that pursuit, humanity is still asking the question, who am I? And what Jesus said to the devil is, I'm not going to perform for you to prove who I am. I'm not going to play your game because... I get my identity. This is Jesus talking. Jesus got his identity from the Word. Now, Jesus had the Old Testament. Didn't have the New Testament, obviously. He had the Torah, which was the law, the first five books of the Bible. He had the prophets, the Psalms, and the history with the kings And Samuel, he had all those books. And he studied the Word and saw himself in the Word. Come on, we've got to understand, when Jesus was born as a baby, he did not know everything. Oh, but he was God. Yes, he was. Fully God and fully man. But it says in Philippians 2, it's called the kenosis, he emptied himself of his divine privileges, even submitting himself unto death. He emptied himself. So Jesus, like every Jewish Hebrew boy, had to go on the journey of discovery of who he was. And so that's why he quoted further on in the the book of Luke, when he goes back to his hometown, he starts to quote Isaiah. Isaiah 60, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to those who are in captivity. And he goes right through that scripture and then he says, at the end, this day it has been fulfilled. And what he's saying to those in the synagogue that he went to is, I am that which this speaks of. Come on. Jesus would go through the scriptures And he'd see himself in there all the time. Psalm 2 verse 7 says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. When Jesus read that as a young boy, he saw himself. See, that's how he discovered it. It it wasn't the, the, the whisperings of even the spirit. It was the word that he took a hold of because the Spirit came upon him and baptized him when he was baptized by John when he was 30 years old. God is so clever. Come on. And so, for us as a people, look, God is really big on identity. Over two and a half thousand times in the scriptures, he speaks about begotting or the son of or the daughter of. 
you go in Luke 3, just before Luke 4, and you've got the whole genealogy of Jesus. I mean, you go through the the, um, Chronicles, and it's like there's begotting everywhere. And, 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 I, and I've made a, di- a discipline and a decision because I, I think, dear Lord, this is so monotonous going through all these different names. But I made a decision, I'm going to read every one of them as I go through them and just believe that it'll go into my spirit and someday it'll flip back out and it'll show me some great truth because God's not just put things in here to fill it in. It's not, oh, well, I'll just fill this page with the, you know, all the family genes. In Hebrew world, they're incredibly interested in where they come from. And, and so are we. Why do you think programs like Who Do You Think You Are are so popular? People want to discover where they come from. And for the church, this is a time like never before that we need to know who we are. And and this is why I want to encourage people to read their Bibles. It's not just so that you can say, I've been a good Christian person because I'm meant to read a verse or a chapter a day because that's what Christians do. No, I do it to find out who I am and who God is. Because you can't find out who God is by meditating on a rock face. Now, I'm happy, you need to meditate, don't misunderstand me, but it's the Word. That's why we've been given the Bible, and whether you're, if you're not a good reader and you need, get a CD, I listen to it in the car all the time, and, and you can even watch it, but, it, but it's there relaying information to the church because we need to have clarity on who we are. When we go into the world, listen, we've all got our challenges. That was another thing about getting old, Pastor Gary and Jane, is that I thought all my troubles had gone because they'd all left home. (laughs) But, But life continues. Come on, don't make me feel alone here. Um... And life will continue on and challenges will continue. Becoming a blessed, godly man and godly woman doesn't mean you avoid the challenges of life. I wish they would all go away. The challenges, not my kids. I love my kids still. But the challenges are still there. Come on. So having that clarity of who I am is what's important. The three things that I want to bring before you. I'll just have a quick look. I've got to finish by four. I know that's an old joke. (laughs) I'll finish by three. Um, The the first thing, uh, and we connect this to ourselves about our identity. The first thing to connect to ourselves is that we belong. We belong. Belong. In your identity, you belong. And Genesis 1.27 is the key to that, or the start of that. I mean, you can go further back, but the clarity that comes from God's voice is that I'll create man in my image. 
male and female, he created them. The, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. And, and God declares over humanity that you are in my image, you belong. Now, whether you are a believer or not, they still belong. Everybody belongs. And you see, our, I believe in the 21st century, our evangelical thrust should be based upon belonging, not behavior. Do not, and the church has been good at this, but we've been good at judging people's behavior. Thank God he never judged my behavior. Otherwise, I'd never get in. It was by his grace. And as the church, I, I understand that I belong, but also my message to people outside of the church is you belong. Yeah, but I, I behave like this, or my sexuality is that, or I do this. It doesn't matter. You belong. Yeah. Come on, church. Right. The, the, the behavior of where we said, oh, look what they're doing, and this group are doing that, and we've got to change the world. Well, we don't change the world by changing their behavior. We change it by telling them, you belong. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, God accepted you and me. And I think it takes a load off of us because in the past, and I'm talking about many years ago when I first got saved, it was like we had to get out there and give everybody John 3.16. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm all for John 3.16 and 17. In fact, verse 17 just cements the whole thing. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that through him the world might be saved. Oh, come on. So we, in our identity, firstly, is understand, I am created in the image of God. I belong to God. And my workmates in my family, my neighbor... They all belong. You see, when we look at Jesus, um, how he ministered to people, he ministered in a way that they all felt that they belonged. The Samaritan woman, I mean, you could not get a bigger contrast for those cultural times that firstly she was a Samaritan, that the Jews saw them as less than dogs. And secondly, she was a woman. And a man and a woman should not, in a public place, speak to one another. That was culturally wrong. But Jesus sat and he spoke to her and she ended up saying, look at a man who's told me everything about myself. She says she belonged. And, and that's our job. Judging is really easy. It is. I, I must have a gift of judging. It's so easy. But I'm not called to judge. There is a day of judgment coming. Don't misunderstand me. And it's called the day with a capital D. But that's not our job. That's his job. Um, understanding who we are and that we belong 
is understanding that we are spirit. Um, and, and I think I've, I've taught this before, but, but it, again, it's getting the clarity of who we are, is that we are spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is you. Your soul is your, who, your personality. You're seeing my soul at work now as I express myself. Your spirit is self-giving. Your soul is self-expression. And your body, and you've got to have one of these. It's taken me years to get a magnificent specimen like this. That wasn't meant to be that funny, actually. <laughs> um, is self-serving. In my understanding of my um, identity, and this is important to get the clarity of this, this is temporary. As you get older, things change. Things fall out. Things start to fall. Things start to drop. Talking about your ears. In fact, what they say is as you get older, you shrink. I thought, dear Jesus, what's going to be left of me? But the good news is what continues to grow is your nose and your ears. So one day you will just see a pair of shoes, a big nose and two ears, and you'll say, there goes Pastor Dave. Um, listen, the world out there want to belong. They, 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 even before they'll believe, they want to belong. The, 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 the time of when we used to preach believe, 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 believe to the unconverted, it's it, it shifted. Why? Because the fish have changed. The fish want to belong before they'll believe. So our job is, don't, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we're here to let them know that they belong and they'll go on a journey of believing because it's God's job to change them. It's my job to tell them that they belong. And we belong, you belong today, regardless of what you're feeling, regardless of the things that you are facing, you belong to God. That is your identity. Now, the second thing is that I do understand that I'm broken. And um, uh, having a clear understanding that um, each one of us are broken. But we've been restored through Christ. You see, my spirit is perfect. Come on, some of you are struggling with this one. Your spirit, which the Holy Spirit, when you gave your life to Christ and you received the currency of blood to pay the price for your sin and my sin, then the Spirit of God moved and restored and connected us back to God the Father. And the, and the Holy Spirit reveals God the Father and God the Son. And I'm restored and my spirit has been reconnected back to God. My spirit wants to do the right thing, but in my brokenness, my soul and my flesh are broken. My biggest problem is my flesh, not the devil. The devil doesn't help, but he's not my biggest problem. My biggest problem is me. 
Your biggest problem is the person sat next to you. No, you. You. Again, understanding, this is understanding about identity, that we are broken. The Ten Commandments have been put there, not for us to live by, but to reveal as a mirror to who I am. And the Ten Commandments say that I am broken. Are you all good with this? Um, It's like God put ten, he could have done one. He could have just said, you shall not bear false witness. In other words, you shall not lie. If you've ever told a lie, lift your hand. Didn't lift your hand, you're a liar. Because we're all broken. And it's understanding our brokenness is part of my identity. But I don't use that as an excuse and I don't live there. But I do understand my brokenness. I am a broken man, but I'm restored spiritually. See, when I die, this old thing is going to drop to the ground and my spirit and my soul, which are very close, they're different, but they're very close. It tells us in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder the joints and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. It divides it. And that's understanding and reading the Word of God. You'll see the division between what the Spirit is and what the soul is. So I know that in my identity, I know that I belong. I understand that I am broken. And the third one is that I am becoming. I can become. I am who God says I am. Now in the become is that when we give our lives to Christ and our spirit is restored back to God, what's deposited inside of us is faith, hope, and love. They are three eternal things. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13, it tells us, and that's the well-known love chapter, and at the end it says, but these three things remain, or these three things are eternal, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. And inside you and inside me is all we need. You've got all the faith you need. Romans 12, 3, 4. To every person has been given the measure or the deposit of faith. You've got the faith. You know, when we're speaking about the Spirit come and God move, what God does is not come to give you more stuff. He comes to stir up what's already inside of us. I've got all the love I need. I'm not going to get any more love from God because Romans 5.5 says, for the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. See, that's what happens when you take that step of faith, the human kind of faith, the human kind of love, the human kind of hope is replaced by the God kind. That's why in Mark um, 22... Mark twenty two seventeen, I think it is. Jesus says to the disciples, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. See, what's being deposited inside of us as you take the step of faith is the God kind of faith that moves mountains. You've got the hope inside of you. For it says in Colossians 1, 27, Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
And I've got the love inside of me that will equip me to love the unlovable. But it's not just for pastors and people who preach on the pulpits. It's for everybody. So that's why Christ in you, and in you, you've got your complete, you cannot, well you can, but you're not going to get any more than what God's already given you. Because when the dispensation of the Holy Spirit came, it changed from the Old Testament into the New Covenant. And the New Covenant, which is a better covenant than the Old Covenant, which is a shadow of things to come. That's why the disciples, when they were working under the, uh, uh, the Old Covenant, they said to Jesus, uh, Give us more, how can we get more faith? But when the Spirit of God came... That was finished. And now the deposit inside you and I is here. And that's in your identity. Oh, I've not got the faith to do that. Yes, you have. And you see, what the Word does as I'm speaking to you, it stirs that which is already inside of you. Because Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes now by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's That's how God has set it up. So the encouragement of the word is read the word because that stirs up the faith, hope, and love inside of you. If you're not taking this, it's not being stirred up. Only maybe when you come on a Sunday and the preacher preaches from the word of God and you get a bit stirred up, but then it all settles down again. Come on, church. This is good. It's good news. And and it's your identity. And if you can embrace it, And engage with it and say, that's who I am. And it's not done through pride or arrogance. It's done in humility because I understand in my brokenness what God has done. But God has lifted me up out of something that held me down. And now I'm set free. I belong to him. I was broken and now he set me free and now I become all that he's called me to. For all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. That's why I understand in my identity that I'm called to his purposes. And again, that's not just for me. It's for all of us. We're all called to his purpose. You and I are left on the planet for his purposes. Otherwise, we should have an altar call that you come out the front, give your life to Christ, and then you go to heaven. Because we've got a holy gun and we shoot you. But you are left here for a reason. I am left here for a reason. And the reason is his purposes. Okay, I've said enough. I've run out of time. God's good. And you're good. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm good. I have been wonderfully made. That's it. Oh, there's some hugs going on. It's uh, it's, it's flowing through. Listen, I, I just want to finish with this. If you're a person here today that's on the journey of wanting to know about truth, of who am I, why am I here, 
this is a great church to connect into and ask questions. Um, the, the, the thing that happened to me um, was that I gave my life to Christ after somebody witnessed to me about the change that had taken place in their life. And at the time, absolutely nothing happened. But I made a decision and I said, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ now. And then about two weeks later, I was stood in the middle of a paddock, nobody else around, and the Spirit of God came upon me and made that deposit inside of me, and the reality of God became more real than anything else that I could see. And Jesus promised that for those that seek, they will find. If you keep knocking on the door... For answers, the door will be opened. And if you do ask, it shall be given. So I just want to encourage you in your journey. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your word and, Lord, for the word that's been spoken this morning. May it help us and equip us better for the work of the ministry so that Jesus would be just so highly exalted and lifted up in our community for he is the son of the living God in Jesus name Amen God bless you